You're listening to the Ticker Podcast from IR Magazine, a roundup of this week's leading stories and industry comment from the world of investor relations. Direct from our central London studio, here's your host, Rory Havelock. This week on the Ticker Podcast, it's all change in the IR service provider world. Engage, chat about their new partners, and all the latest from the Middle East Investor Relations Society conference. Welcome back to Ticker Podcast. It's your weekly roundup of the top stories from around the investor relations world, and we're back again with a vengeance. And I'm with Tim Human and Condice de Montpetit today. Good morning, guys. Good morning. Hello. Ghana is once again MIA, and we're recording this on the eve of the Rugby World Cup kickoff being held here around the UK with many games taking place in London. Um, the atmosphere has been a bit weirdly muted, though, particularly near here. I imagine it's kind of non-existent, particularly for many of our US or you know, mainland Asian listeners. I guess it's a big deal for Europe, the Rugby World Cup, right? But I haven't, we were saying earlier, we haven't really heard much about it. There doesn't seem to be people flowing on the streets and getting excited about it yet. Yeah, you feel like if it was the, the Football World Cup, then people would be talking about it for weeks and weeks and excitement would be building. But it's hardly been on the front pages. It's almost uh, crept up on us a bit. Yeah, and I think I took it from granted. I studied in Cardiff and it was so, I mean, you couldn't move if there was a rugby game going on for the, you know, in a good way. It was fantastic. The palpable atmosphere. I know, Condice, are you excited for France's chances as well? Um, well, you'll have, you'll have to ask my husband. He's a rugby <laughs> fan. <laughs> I don't have any comment to make, unfortunately. But who will you be supporting, France or England? <laughs> Come on, Tim. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> There's quite a lot of people in England, aren't there, that support um, the French team because the English, English team is traditionally very boring and just grind out, grinds out results, whereas France is much more free-flowing and exciting. Indeed. Uh, just, and just like the nationals themselves, obviously. Well, England kick off their campaign at eight tonight against Fiji. Make sure not to miss it. And speaking about franchises with international aspirations, then, look at that for a link. Um, and Tim uh, has been looking into uh, a very changeable world of IR service providers this week. Yeah, it's been an interesting week. There's been um, a few different moves, a few different announcements happening. I think part of that's because it's September and we're kind of, you know, back to school and people are getting their announcements out after the summer holidays. But also there's quite a lot going on in the sort of communications world, in the capital markets world, which are feeding into different um, IR services and, and what service providers are doing. So there's been a few interesting changes happening. Yesterday, I got the chance to sit down with John Daly, who uh, was over from Australia to show off a, a new disclosure platform that he's setting up called ListCorp. He describes it as being like uh, LinkedIn for investors and companies. Each company has a profile with key information and investors can follow different profiles and receive updates. Um, and the platform's algorithms can help recommend other stocks you might be interested in. And it's a sort of standard, standard social media stuff, but you know, reconfigured for investors and also investor relations departments as well. Because that's quite often been a complaint, I think, among IROs, particularly in our surveys, is that current social media isn't particularly suited to what they need to do. There's too many, too many holes and too many potentials for, you know, leaking and disclosure gone awry. Exactly. And that's why um, you've seen some platforms try and do something very specific for the, the investment world. We had stock twits, which was kind of like Twitter for investors. And then you have other platforms kind of like Closer, which is, you know, taking things like LinkedIn, the functionality there but then trying to make it work for, for companies and shareholders. And as far as John's plans go, what, what, what makes this social network different and you know, interesting for IROs? Well, the way he views it is that there are companies out there that are finding it hard to find investors, and there are investors out there that don't know enough about companies, what companies are out there, what kind of information they have, which investors might be interested in. So the platform is supposed to improve that communication. The idea behind it is that private investors don't have an easy way to find new companies, 
and also get the key information that they need to make uh, investment decisions. So that's what the site does. It sort of it takes each profile and it it has nine areas which it thinks are the key things that investors will want to know and tells you those about each company on their profile. I mean, the success of the site will largely depend on how well it can pull this off, how how, how well it can provide information to private investors as opposed to the IR website or other investing magazines and things like that. It'll also be interesting to see um, what companies come on board because the idea is that companies will use this as part of their own disclosure, part of their own uh, engagement with investors. And so it'll be interesting to see how they work it into their own communications plans. I think the first companies involved we'll see will be in Australia because that's where John Daly, the founder, is based. And you know there are some companies there with very large retail investor um, bases. And so I think we'll see some companies getting involved actively in Australia first. And what are plans John's for the platform as well? Have they, have they launched yet? Are they looking to launch soon? What? Well, it, the, the site went live in Australia last year, and it has a number of Australian uh, company profiles on it, which uh, John has set up. But actually, he was invited to the UK as part of a, a fintech trade mission just this last week. And so he thought, why not, while he's over here, launch it here? It's an opportunity to show it off. But now he's gone back to Australia, and the official launch of the platform in Australia is still to come. So that should be coming before the end of the year. And also in headlines in this week was Q4 for a particularly interesting acquisition they've made as well. Yes, this is Q4 Web Systems, which is the North American uh, provider of IR websites and other digital communications tools. And they've announced that they've acquired Oxford Intelligence, which is a stock surveillance and market intelligence firm. This is a big departure for Q4, who've traditionally focused on IR websites, but shows their ambitions to become more of a full-service investor relations firm. They had a couple of other announcements this year, such as the launch of an app, which is going to provide some services through it. And actually, in the announcement of the acquisition of Oxford, Q4 said it was also planning to offer targeting services and customer relationship management services as well. So that would give it a kind of full suite of IR tools and put it into more direct competition with uh, some of the industry's big guns. Well, yes, interestingly, and I think uh, I know you're about to mention uh, a company, Richard Davis IR. Uh, I spoke to uh, Richard Davis there managing director early in the week and they're also looking at offering a much more complete service you know i think service providers are going from offering particularly data-driven stuff to opening out and um, offering a lot more under one roof yeah they're, they're building out their services too and i think what, what's particularly interesting with what's happening with rdir is that that's in or partly in in response to the regulatory changes that are happening in europe so we've got changes coming through which are affecting corporate access which are affecting research and one of the predictions that's being made is that you know, smaller companies are, pot- are potentially going to have a bit of a pullback on the support they get from brokers. And so you're seeing firms like RDIR hiring a head of investor access. So they're in a better position to support companies if there is a drop-off in support from their brokers. Another interesting thing that actually came out of your interview with Richard Davis, the, uh, the, the head of the firm, he mentioned in, in the interview that European firms are mentioning that they're getting less support from London-based brokers and they're getting less offers for London roadshows. And I think we're all looking around and trying to s- see where the regulatory changes uh, you know, are going to feed through into, IRs, um, uh, into day-to-day IR work. Um, there was, of course, that, that poll earlier this year, which asked UK IR professionals what changes they'd felt from these regulatory changes. And they said they hadn't really seen anything significant yet. But I think what we may be seeing here is, is these kind of consequences of the changes start to feed through into um, the support that IR departments get. Uh, another thing he said in the interview, which I didn't actually have space to include in the article we wrote in the end, but um, 
uh, he was saying that they, he far prefers, and he and his team far prefer to work with a dedicated IRO, a company, rather than to be doing something completely afresh. So it's interesting that they have service providers now aligning themselves to be much more, you know, an improvement upon what an IRO might be able to do on their own or without the benefit of having a large team and offering, like you say, all those specific services. Yeah, I think he's saying that, you know, the, the solution to this this problem, if there is a, if, if companies need to do more IR work themselves, is both you know, to work with um, IR firms, but also to think more about hiring people internally as well. Well, Garnet, despite not being here this week, also has been looking into a very similar area for us. I caught up with her last week. She's been speaking with IR platform Engage about some of the new clients they've signed up and uh, the exciting times ahead there. So last week, alternative corporate access platform Engage revealed that the Investor Forum had signed up as one of four new clients. Two of these are institutions, the $79 billion Chicago-based asset manager William Blair & Co. and also Kames Capital, the Edinburgh-based asset management subsidiary of Aegon. The other is an as-yet-unnamed blue-chip corporate client in mainland Europe, so a bit secretive around them. And the Investor Forum is something of a different kind of client for them. Exactly. It's neither a corporate nor an institutional client. And so I spoke to both Michael Houghton, founder and managing director of Engage, and Andy Griffiths, executive director at the Investor Forum, about what brought the two together and how the deal would work. Andy explains that, quote, What we have in common is that Engage is trying to link companies and investors in a simple, transparent way without the need for all the other intermediaries that have tended to be involved in the chain, all the brokers and the banks and what have you. We're trying to do the same kind of thing, work with investors and companies to facilitate dialogue that creates collective engagement opportunities following on from the K-Review. While the shared philosophy of the two is one aspect of it, Michael explained that the technology offered by Engage will also be helpful for the not-for-profit forum. And much of this comes down to feedback, he explains, with the investor forum acting as something of a conduit for investor concerns. Engage's automated confidential feedback tool can help collect and collate these concerns, he explains allowing the Investor Forum to, quote, survey investors and gather opinion in a completely confidential way, which isn't possible with a manual system because the intermediary automatically sees what's being said. And so hopefully what he says you'll end up with, quoting the K-Review, is the concerned investor rather than the anonymous trader. Other aspects of the engaged platform, such as meeting notes and history, customer relationship management tools to manage contacts, and reporting and record-keeping can also help the forum, he adds. And Andy agrees, explaining that for a startup non-profit like the Investor Forum, a service, a service like this is especially useful. And this relationship looks like it will prove to be beneficial to engage as well. It should be. As the forum gathers feedback from investors, those investors will no doubt see how the system works, and that will, of course, bring greater exposure to engage. And already, the forum, which was established in October last year, boasts a board of directors that includes high-profile figures such as Marks & Spencer chairman Robert Swannell, Aberdeen Asset Management's Global Chief Investment Officer Anne Richards and Threadneedle Investment's Chief Investment Officer Mark Burgess, to name just a few. And it's still early days, says Michael, of the Investor Forum deal, but, quote, We both see big problems with how things have worked hitherto, as well as scope for substantial improvement, and we want to help each other in that mission. That was Garnet Roach, who, of course, will be back in the pod next week. Uh, and someone else who is very recently back from their travels is Condice, who has been moving around the Middle East, I believe, and catching up with the investor relations officers over there. Yes, I just got back from Dubai, where I, um, I attended the Middle East IR Society's seventh conference and awards dinner. And the venue was just amazing. There was um, also quite a, a good uh, turnout, I think more than uh, 250 people coming from uh, various countries in the region. 
What was the venue like? It was uh, the address. Oh, I see. A fancy hotel in uh, downtown Dubai, just um, above the, the famous Dubai Mall. <laughs> Imagine shopping heaven. <laughs> Not that um, exotic for us, unfortunately, because there was a, a Waitrose. Oh, my word. Um, Caluccio's, <laughs> Baker and Spice, Ben's Cookies. <laughs> it's quite weirdly like being in the Westgate Center sometimes, I guess. It did remind me a, a bit of, um, of Westfield in, in Shepherd's Bush, but um, I don't know, maybe 10 times bigger. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, so it's an exciting time uh, in Saudi Arabia because they, the, the market's recently opened up to foreign investors. There must have been quite a few of interested uh, Saudi people there. Yes, there were a lot of uh, Saudi delegates, as well as uh, Qataris, Egyptians, Kuwaitis, and of course, uh, Emiratis. The IRO from Blombank, uh, a Lebanese bank, was sitting at my table. He told me he was hoping to create a new chapter for uh, Levant countries. When I asked him about the, the IRO scene in Lebanon, he said, oh, well, uh, yes, of course, there is an IR community in Beirut, uh, but it's, it's a bit small, though, and he started counting. Uh, I think there are, there are four of us. <laughs> <laughs> I hope they're all friends with that few of them in the country. That's a start, at least, and as well. What were the highlights of the conference for you, though, Condice? What did you enjoy? There was a very interesting session on fund flows one year after the MSCI inclusion of the UAE and Qatar and the uh, Emerging Markets Index. Apparently, the, the inclusion hasn't brought much more institutional investors to the scene yet and hasn't had a great impact on liquidity. And what you have to know is that uh, retail investors make up 70% of the market in Dubai and um, in Saudi Arabia, which may also be included in the index in a few years, it's 90%. So all the ROs I spoke to said their challenge was to, to find um, the good local brokers uh, who have the right contacts with institutional clients, of course, but most importantly with um, uh, private client fund managers and family offices. <clears throat> ah, and it was actually a, a case study on how to target your local investors. Surprisingly, most of the, the press releases and documents that are put out are, are in English. So um, uh, the, the first recommendation was to draft proper Arabic content <laughs> and also to organize a local-only retail investor event on top of the traditional roadshows. That must really shape how IR's done that. I mean, particularly have a lot of family money to talk to. I'm, I'm very interested to find out a bit more. And how have, in, in light of that, how have best practices in the region been evolving? What were the hot topics of debate? Um, there, there was a, a panel on uh, corporate reporting trends in the region with Lisa Williams from City, you know, who recently spoke at our, um, our Euroleaders think tank. I remember, yeah. And also a, a representative from the Pearl Initiative, uh, which promotes, quote, co uh, corporate culture of transparency <laughs> and accountability in the Arab world. So, tout un programme, as we say in French. They said things were evolving pretty slowly and that there were uh, very few companies reporting on ESG performance. Less than a quarter of the 100 largest Dubai listed firms, for instance. And not a single one uh, is actually producing an integrated report. And uh, delegates at my table were actually saying, oh, integrated what? <laughs> <laughs> And after that, of course, with the awards, did you get the chance to, you know, enjoy yourself, have a dance, have a drink? For a minute, um, myself and the other um, Western delegates feared that it would be their first uh, teetotal awards dinner. <laughs> <laughs> but no, they were discreetly um, giving away little glasses of wine on the side. <laughs> Excellent. Well, uh, to find out even more about the Middle East IR Society's conference, you can read Condice's article, which I believe will be up in the next couple of days. Yes, and you can also um, watch a few uh, video interviews I did with local IROs. I think that's all, all we've got time for this week. Next week, um, we were recording slightly earlier because I'm off to uh, Sofia in Bulgaria to catch up with the Bulgarian IR Society and all of the developments going on there. As per usual, you can follow us on Twitter at IR Magazine. You can follow us on SoundCloud and subscribe and download to all the latest episodes there. 
Um, and we will be back with Garnet next week. Um, thanks, guys, for joining me again. And we will see you next week. Bye. 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 You've been listening to the Ticker Podcast from IR Magazine. For free access to all the latest global investor relations news and analysis, register at irmagazine.com or download the app. 